Hey, this is Matthew Lilly. Welcome to the Presence Pioneers podcast. All right, welcome to today's episode, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in and joining us. Uh, today we have Johan from the Sanctuary House of Prayer in Winnipeg, which is in Canada, for those of you who are in the United States. <laughs> he is a full-time intercessory missionary, and he's actually a part of our Presence Pioneers team. He's been editing our audio and giving us some consulting on how to get the quality of this podcast better and better. And so I'm excited to talk to him today. But before we dive in, uh, if you're new here, uh, this podcast exists to help you and your community experience and host the presence of God day and night worship and prayer. We really believe God's presence changes everything. And uh, and so thanks for joining us today. Any way that you can comment or review or like or share this episode or podcast, it really helps us uh, reach more people with the message uh, that God's presence does change everything. You can subscribe. Uh, please do stay connected with us. And you can view all of our previous episodes up on our website at presencepioneers.org. Awesome. Well, Johan, welcome to the podcast, man. It's great to be here. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just wanted to publicly say thank you for your help with the podcast. You've been, uh, especially this year, giving uh, giving some great feedback, some consulting, some suggestions on how we can get the quality up better. And you've been helping uh, edit a lot of the episodes, the audio for the episodes. So thank you. Yeah. I love the message. So I'm so happy to be part of the team. It's yeah. great. Yeah. Well, obviously, since you're part of a house of prayer, you're a full-time intercessory missionary. So this is not just a little freelance job on the side for you. You actually are invested in the prayer movement and what God's doing. And you actually host your own podcast, the Burning Rooms podcast, and you're involved in a couple different podcasts. And uh, I tuned into some of the Burning Room episodes, and we'll link to that in the show notes so people can follow you and connect with that one as well. But I'd really love to dive into the fact that you're an intercessory missionary, that you are giving yourself full time to day and night worship and prayer there at Sanctuary House of Prayer. And so I'd love to talk about that and what that means and what that is like for you. Number one, so people might realize they're called to this, but even if they're not, which is going to probably be most of our listeners, uh, it's important to understand and to know what God's doing, right? If if this is something that's real and, and something that Holy Spirit's doing, I think it's important that the whole body of Christ have an understanding of the importance of this kind of ministry, just like any other ministry. So from your perspective, man, what do you see as an intercessory missionary? This is who you are. So what is what exactly is an intercessory missionary? Maybe you can explain that and then kind of we can get into your journey personally. Yeah, for, for me, an intercessory missionary is really, it's the modern day priesthood. It's the people that are that are called to give their time and give that amount of energy to the place of just ministering unto the Lord, being before His feet. I mean, we have ministry to men, we have women's ministry, children's ministry, there's street ministry, there's evangelists, and they're going all over the place. And I love every single one of them, and I do some of those things too. Right. But it's never really been emphasized just to minister to the Lord and to sit before His feet. And that's the primary ministry in Scripture. So, in a nutshell, that's basically what an intercessory missionary does. It's they're keeping fire on the altar, they're worshiping, they're praying, they're in the place of, of gazing, as we know that Psalm 27, 4 verse. So, yeah. So, yeah. worshiping and praying full time as your job. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. So, 
give us a, give us some feedback. I, we, you and I actually haven't talked a whole lot uh, at length. Yeah. And so I'm even curious to, to get to know you a little bit better on this podcast today. But uh, what was your journey like in getting to the place that you're doing this now? I mean, it probably starts all the way back to to when I was five years old and, and when I got saved. Wow. Uh, I mean, I got saved when I was three, but I had an open vision when I was five years old. I was laying in my bed one night and, and someone shook me awake and I looked around and there was no one there. So I go back to sleep and I don't know how, how much time passed, but they shook me awake again. And I woke up and I'm like, whoa, five years old, I'm a little scared right now. And then I look in front of me and on my wall, I see it's like a movie screen and it's a picture of a crown and it's spinning around in a circle and it's the most beautiful thing you ever saw. Oh my gosh. But five years old, I was still, I was scared out of my, out of my mind. Yeah. Like I, I needed to go see my parents in the, in the room next door. So I jumped out of my bed and, and kind of tried to stay as far away from this thing as I could, cause I was frightened. So I was shimmying along the wall to get to the door. So I get out the door and I cue my crying getting my parents out of the room and said, there's something on my wall. Like there's a picture on my wall and I'm, I'm in tears and I'm weeping. And my parents just reassured me, Oh, there was an angel in your room and they're, they're just showing you a picture. And I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And they, I don't think they knew what the crown meant. They just assumed, I don't know. My dad was a pastor and he said, Oh, all those jewels on your crown mean those are the people you're going to lead to the Lord, like kind of represent that. And didn't really make sense. And yeah. it wasn't until, it was probably 15 years ago, 20 years ago, that the Lord revealed that 2 Timothy 4, 8 verse where it says, He will give to you a crown of righteousness. And then it says, to those who have longed for my appearing. Mm. And when I read that in scripture, like the, it's like the Lord highlighted it and said, this is what that crown meant. You are to be one that longs for my appearing, to gaze upon my beauty, to be in my sanctuary. Wow calling for my return. So, it's then that it made sense. So, that's kind of where it all began. And to get into the, pro- I don't know if we want to get into the whole story of how I became a full-time intercessory missionary. Sure, but- you, you can get into some of it, but, but I think the, the point we can pull out of that amazing story is that in some ways you were marked for this from the beginning. And, and so, there was something in there that God was already stirring, speaking in you and so I assume that there was a moment, you know, as you're entering into this this ministry of worship and intercession, if it was like it was for me and it, like it was for you, uh, it was almost like something's awakening or connecting, or it's like you hear about what God's doing and it's like connecting with what's already in you. It's not like some sort of totally foreign idea, but it's like something just awakens inside of you. Was it like that for you? Yeah, I mean, actually, after that encounter I had with the Lord, even at the age of five years old, I I knew in my heart of hearts that I was called to full-time ministry. I, I knew it. Yeah. As I went through school, and like, I don't know why I need any of this stuff, because I'm going to be in full-time ministry. And there's yeah. people trying to talk me out of it. Even my parents tried talking me out of it, because, you know, small church pastor used to go to work other jobs, and they're maybe encouraging me encouraging me to take other forms of education so that I can uh, get a full-time job and still be in ministry. But I I felt, no, like I need to be full-time in ministry. And I didn't know what that looked like. Right. Uh, so high school was really difficult for me. In fact, I tried to make high school ministry. I went to a Christian school between grade 7 and 11, but in my grade 12 year, 
our Christian school closed down, so I had to go to a public school. Okay. So they had many presentations you had to do in English. Uh, so I decided, okay, I'm going to make this an opportunity to preach the gospel <laughs> because I got to present in front of my class anyway. Yeah. So I would write songs that have to do with certain topics, and I would sing them in front of my class, and I get straight A's in that class because the teacher just thought it was amazing that I was writing songs and singing them in front of the class. So I just used it as opportunities to, you know, plant those seeds of the gospel. And there are people asking me about the gospel in the hallways. They knew I was a Christian. No one knew who I was because I was new to the school. Right. I got invited to the Christian youth group, led some worship there, and that's, that's awesome. what else. <laughs> so how did you end up at Sanctuary House of Prayer? How did you end up, you know, connected in the prayer movement. Yeah. Just just real quick kind of timeline, yeah. Yeah, so we know that uh, even IHOP, they started out of the Vineyard Movement. Right. I was actually in the Vineyard Movement here in Winnipeg. Okay. Uh, one of our pastor was David Roos. Oh, yeah. One of the big worship leaders oh, yeah. back in the day. So as a worship leader myself, we had a lot of worship leaders in, in that Vineyard community. So I really felt like I was called to worship. So I played bass on David's teams and stuff. I ended up leading worship in four different house groups a week be- just because I felt called <laughs> to worship. So that's what I, I would do. Yeah. So there's a real artist collective community there. And I would lead worship at our inner city ministry. And those were often not very well attended. They they would hold daily prayer meetings there. Sometimes people wouldn't show, show up. Even the people that were supposed to open the doors wouldn't show up. So I finally got called to do one of these. I was a young 18-year-old, so I was excited for the opportunity to lead worship. I walked there. The pastor let me in. I set up all my equipment ready to lead worship, and it was going to be awesome. The pastor was there. They're going to finally get to see me lead worship uh, corporately, so maybe I can get to the bigger stage, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So, time's ticking. It gets to the time we're supposed to start, and I'm like, I guess we're canceling tonight because no one's here. Uh And she says, no, just go for it. I'm like, go for it. I mean, I, I can lead in front of a crowd of people, but one person was a little intimidating for me, especially right. if it's the pastor, yeah. the person that would get me to the big stage. So I close my eyes, pretend the room's full, start <laughs> strumming, start singing. And uh, after a few minutes, a few songs, still have my eyes closed. I open my eyes, hoping to see a few more people in the room, maybe shuffled in, and there was no one. But what, what I did see is the pastor... She was in the front, just arms outstretched and totally going for it. Mm. And it struck my heart. I'm like, I came here for my agenda to get to the big stage, to lead people in worship. And she came here to worship. Yeah. And it was at that point, like, I need whatever she has. I need to get that. Yeah. And and we we even have artist collectors where there's a bunch of well-known artists at the time and I got invited to those so I'm like this must be this is it I finally made it it's your big break uh, <laughs> my big break finally but I went to one of these and I saw them all talking and I just felt completely left out wow and I started weeping I go to my car I'm like why like I I get invited to these things I lead worship I'm part of these songwriting groups and the Lord just says, I never called you to be an artist. I called you to be a worshiper. Yep. And it's not that I'm not an artist, right. but it's, it's that he's called me to something higher. Yep. It, wasn't, it wasn't for that big stage. It wasn't for being well-known. He wanted me for him yep. for just ministering unto his heart. So. Yes, that's amazing. 
And that's the, that's the heart of what you're doing as an intercessory missionary is it's really, really to God and it's really for him. It's ministering to him. Yeah. So coming out of that, I'll finally get to the house of prayer part, I guess. Sure. <laughs> One of our other pastors, he had stepped down and he, he went on a sabbatical, but then he came back because he, went, he actually went down to IHOP when they were still in the trailers, had a crazy encounter there. I think it was Misty Edwards leading worship, him and his friend were there. And she starts singing about the thunder of the Lord. And outside, when she sings that, they just hear this loud thunder. And they're like, what is going wow. on in this place? So they came back and the, the Lord told them on the way back, you're, you're supposed to do that. So he starts the process of just having some prayer meetings at the church. And I get invited into that. When was this? Uh, this was probably 15 years ago. Okay. Um, our house of prayer is... Now, 14 years old almost. So, gotcha. uh, that was 15 or 16 years ago. So, we were doing a couple meetings a week. Uh, we didn't know what we were doing. We tried to copy the harp and bull model and all that. Right. And, uh, but he gathered a group of young people, and the Lord told us to transition and start a house of prayer. And so, we had a nice small group of 20 year olds under 30, uh, and we started the house of prayer. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah. So, how long have you been doing doing this full time? I assume you're doing it full time now or close to it. Uh, yeah, I've I've given myself to. The, I quit my job about six years ago. Yeah, uh, which was a scary thing. Yeah. Again, I felt called to ministry the whole time, so it was hard. I was asking the Lord every single day, like, when? When right. are you going to release me? When are you going to release me? We're not a twenty four seven house of prayer. We didn't even have many meetings. Yeah. Uh, and I got a family and kids, so yeah. I had to support them and. I'm asking him when, 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 like I'm asking when, but I know I, I can't do it until we have more hours yeah. available. Like it doesn't make sense for me to quit my job. Right. Uh, so it was six years ago. I was down at IHOP sitting and I knew the Lord had something for me when I was there. So I gave myself to sitting in that prayer room 15 hours a day until, until I got what he, what he had for me. Later on in the day, I was reading through scripture and I get reading through revelation and I get to the part where it says, the pillars in the temple of the Lord, you know, I think it's Revelation 3. So I'm reading that, and I, I just meditate on that, saying, Lord, I want to be a pillar in your temple. I want to be someone that just gives myself to the place of prayer. Uh, so shortly after that, I was almost falling asleep. I think it was Matt Gilman leading the set. Uh, I love you, Matt, but you're putting <laughs> me to sleep. I think that was the Lord. And I'm like, I better go get some coffee, so go to higher grounds there next door. Yeah. Uh, and I'm drinking my coffee, and someone comes up to me. Uh, she says, I just looked at you and I, I, I hear the Lord say, he wants you to be a pillar in the temple of the Lord. Wow. So I'm like, wow. Okay. Lord's speaking to me. Yep. And, and there, there are about four different encounters I had during that IHOP trip where the Lord just confirmed it, confirmed it, confirmed it. And I even told him in one of these visions, I had a couple and I said, Lord, I said I wouldn't go full time until enough hours for me to go full time. And he said, I didn't, I'm not building my house of prayer around hours or around buildings. Yeah. I'm building my house of prayer around my people yes. and my priests. Yes. You are my priest, now go. So he spoke that clearly and I was just weeping. I was undone. Came back, told my wife and she's like, okay, I guess <laughs> you're quitting your job. Yeah. And the first day I get back to my job, this was over spring break. I worked in the school. The first coworker that encountered me, I walked in the door. She says, what are you doing here? I thought you quit your job. Really? Yeah. And I'm like, where did that come from? 
So the Lord just confirmed it over and over again. Yeah. And that's pretty much the journey. I yeah. quit my job. That's amazing. In that summer, and I started, and, and I didn't have any funds or anything, and the Lord just, you know, that's when I, I do a few small jobs, you know, to support my prayer habit, I call it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Gosh, what a what a cool story, man. So you've been you've been now doing it, you know, more or less full time for six years. You're a presence pioneer because it was you guys were just doing a few meetings and, and you're saying, I'm gonna step out and do it um when you know when when very few other people are doing it. So uh, that's amazing. So l- let me push back a little bit because this is the pushback against this thing. Yeah, you know, is it biblical? There's not a you know, you see apostle prophet. Pastor, teacher, evangelist—you don't see intercessory missionary in the list, you know. Uh, you know, aren't isn't that a bit excessive? You know, to be praying as your full-time job. Everybody's supposed to pray, right? You know, so why are you so special that that's your job? You know, <laughs> I mean, all these kinds of things. Yeah. I'm sure you've you've probably heard either from people or from you know even in your own mind as you've tried to figure out like what what on earth am I doing here? Uh, you know, sitting, sitting, you know, worshiping and praying all day, which I don't know, some people that might seem sound glorious or glamorous. Some people might sound like drudgery. And, uh, and I think it's probably a little bit of both at times for those who are doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so let me, you know, let me push back, man. Is it biblical? Like, like what, you know, is this really the best use of your time? Those kinds of questions. How do you, uh, how do you respond to those kinds of things? Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium, our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024 with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media. Dot presencepioneers.org to sign up today. Uh, we'd like to go to the story of Anna. That's probably one of the larger ones. I mean, Anna's not a very prominent name in Scripture. It's really interesting. Like, she, she was widowed at a young age. She was a teenager. Uh, she was from the tribe of Asher, which wasn't even a it wasn't even a priestly tribe. Like they weren't supposed to be the ones in the temple, but yeah, uh, she, she just felt, you know what? My husband's dead. I'm going to give myself to the temple. They said, Anna was a prophetess and she would be in the temple day and night. She'd give herself to this thing uh, up until her, her old age. And I just, I, I, I just imagine Anna every day, like it would be very common for someone like Anna, who is 
widowed at a young age to get remarried, to find a job and support herself. I can just imagine the stigma that she went through taking that walk to the temple every single day. People are saying, oh, there's Anna. She's so young. Why isn't she getting married? Like, why, why is she wasting her time going to the temple? Like, Anna, support yourself. What are you doing? <laughs> and then 10 years go by and there's like, Anna, 10 years. What are you doing? And yeah. I just think 20 years, 30 years, and they're like, there's old Anna. What a waste of life. She's just doing it again and again. And 40 years, like however many, she, she ends up right. an older lady. And then there is this young couple bringing this, this child into the temple. And wisdom is justified for decades and decades of giving yourself to the place of prayer because she gets to meet the Messiah. And I just think of that story when I hear these criticisms too, saying, like, why are you wasting your time yeah. ministering to the Lord? Like, why, why aren't you doing evangelism and ministry? Like, I'll say, well, we are a greenhouse for, for these ones doing ministry too. Like, we get pastors coming and we get missionaries coming in off the field and we get to create this greenhouse of worship right. for them to get oil in their lap again to go do ministry. We get to pray and prophesy over them and encourage them and strengthen them. So, the House of Prayer has multiple roles. It's yeah. first and foremost ministry to the Lord, but it's also ministry to people because the Lord's presence is in that place. So, He gets to minister to them directly. Yeah. So, that's, uh, I love that sort of distinction that first and foremost, that it's it's good and it's right that people be ministering to the Lord, period, just because He's worthy of it. Yeah. It's good. It's wise, biblical, all of those things. Uh, and so, you don't really need another reason. But on the flip side of that, uh, you have to look at it in view of the bigger, broad, the broader body of Christ and all the other gifts and ministries that are functioning as well, mm. that the function of, of people that are giving themselves to this and ministries that are focused on this, how that undergirds and supports all the things that God's doing uh, in, in the bigger picture in terms of His kingdom coming to the earth and, and outreach and pastoral, all of those kinds of things that are happening, missions, you know, all that kind of stuff is is undergirded and supported by people who are giving themselves to long hours of prayer and ministry to the Lord, houses of prayer, you know, communities that are focusing on this thing are actually supporting uh, all all this activity uh, that, that's happening and, and causing the kingdom of God to increase in in regions and so. And the Lord says to pray for the Lord to send no laborers. He doesn't say go right. labor in that verse, right? So, there, yes. there is a role of us praying for the Lord to send out workers. Right. Yes, exactly. That's amazing. So, uh, man, what do you like about doing it? I mean, what, what you know, if, if you were trying to talk somebody into it, what are, what are the selling points <laughs> of, of giving yourself to this? What have you really enjoyed about it? I I, th I don't know if some of it is personality wise, yeah. Uh, but like I've always been one that could just spend hours just in my office or in my bedroom just worshiping the Lord. I just I love the way He encounters us in the midst of it. I was I've been singing the words since I was a kid. I I don't know. I just love Him so much. Mm. You get to know Him, and then then you realize the more you know him, you, you know him less, like, wow. because it's an endless amount of treasure for us to uncover. And when you know that, okay, there's no end to this job, like, <laughs> if my job is to get to 
is to gaze on him and to get to know him better. I just discover, wow, I don't know him at all. I got to know. I got to know. And it becomes a continuous uh, searching to find out who this man is. I feel like it's my job to get to know him really well so that I can declare that to others as well. So Yeah. So the presence of God, man, the, the, the encounter with him, relationship with him. Yeah. This, uh, in his presence, there's fullness of joy, and in his right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a, it's a good job. <laughs> yeah. So, so how about the struggles? What's been some of the, what's been some of the challenges you faced? Challenges. There's always going to be challenges, <laughs> uh, especially in the early days when people don't really understand this thing. I think because this prayer movement's exploded so much, and, and, and we're feeling like it's, the Lord's purged it a little bit, or He's shifting it and changing it in these later days. Uh, but people didn't understand why we were doing it. So that made it hard to get support. And even when I was trying to raise up my own support in the early days, some close family and friends, I thought for sure, yeah, they're going to support me. They love me. And they didn't. So it was like a sting on my heart. But I think, you know, the Lord allows these things to happen to bring forth what's already in your in your heart. Yeah. Uh, so finances are always a struggle, but at the same time, we've never lacked. Good. Like six years, I got three kids. Yeah. Uh, my wife wasn't working up until this past year, and we've never been without. We have a house. Yeah. We pay our mortgage. Right. And the Lord's always been good. Like, I, I look back and like, Lord, where this money going to come from? And then you look back and you say, well, you've done it for six years. Why wouldn't you keep doing it? Yeah. So that's always a struggle. And you know what? Resources, people, worship leaders, singers, I, I think all the small houses of prayer are struggling with that right now, finding enough people to to put in those hours. And it really isn't about the hours. Uh, we were really encouraged a few years ago. We had a Canadian prophet in our midst, and he had a vision about uh, about burning rooms, which is the name of our podcast. Yeah. Because we named it because of this this word that we had, and he saw burning rooms across the world, and they were like flames of fire in, in different cities, and he saw one on Winnipeg, and he saw one many other places, and he just, he said, there's going to be many houses of prayer, many burning rooms. Some of them are going to burn 24-7. Some of them are going to burn one night a week. Some are going to burn a couple hours during the week. And he said, the Lord says, it will be enough. It will be enough. Yeah. If you're called to two hours, it's enough. Yeah. If you're called to 10 hours, it's enough. Yeah. Our job is just to be faithful with what he's given us. And and it's going to really bring forth the global revival that, that we're longing for. So. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a it's a powerful vision. I've read it. I, I heard it through you guys, and I actually we launched here in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, a prayer room like a year and a half ago. Called it the Burning Room, and that's awesome. Uh, it's because it was connected to the Catch the Fire movement, which is which is up you know based out of Toronto, and was yeah I, I believe also interconnected with that word, and and that was that was why it was originally called the Burning Room in Canada. Uh, but so we we took the name, and then I found you guys, and it was pretty amazing. So I, I think he says in there that there were burning ones, yeah, or burning hearts, or something like that, and in burning rooms. And so it's it's kind of goes back to what you said, where where God said He's going to build uh, His house of prayer with the people. So it's the burning ones, yeah, first, and then the burning ones come together, and it's burning hearts. Whether it's just your burning rooms, so whether it's just a few or whether it's you know, a whole lot that I love that, that he said, it's going to be enough. That's amazing. But, but talk to me about your, 
your experience in a smaller community like Sanctuary House of Prayer because people that know about IHOP in Kansas City, there's hundreds of, of full-time intercessory missionaries, you know, it's 24-7, but the reality is there's only a couple places that are like that, yeah. and there's not really anywhere else that's quite like Kansas City. I've been, well, I call, I say prayer missionary instead of intercessory missionary, but I've been a prayer missionary now for about 12 years. We had a very small house of prayer in Eastern North Carolina. At the most, I had two other staff with me there. And so there's some unique dynamics to that. Uh, what, what, are, what are some of the, uh, what's your experience in being a, in a smaller house of prayer like that? Yeah, so we don't, we're not 24-7. We, we have prayer meetings on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but we just end up taking the prayer room other places. We have prayer oh, cool. meetings in houses. Uh, we're using someone else's church building. We go to the hospitals. We do Luke 18, which is prayer on university campuses. Uh, we do a marketplace prayer meeting, which is in someone's house. So we're just finding ways to take prayer outside of the four walls. And there was a point where we did have a building where we were going five or six days a week, uh, but the Lord took that away. And we okay. had 10 staff, actually, at one point, the okay. small house of prayer with less than 50 people. We had 10 staff, yeah. uh, a lot of them worship leaders. So we were able to do quite a few worship hours during the day. Yeah, and the Lord's purging that. Like, there's less people right now, but again, like I think it was your interview with Billy Humphrey, where you're talking about that a little bit, where he's just shifting yeah. the way the House of Prayer DNA works. It's going to be yeah. in, in the churches, and and I love that too. I totally agree with that. Yeah, uh, but I really do feel like he's he's moving it into houses too. True. Like I think part of that burning rooms prophecy was that. Uh, there would be burning rooms and some of them were, would be in houses. That's awesome. Like wherever the burning room, the burning ones are, yeah. that's, those are going to be the burning rooms. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it looks different in, in a small house of prayer than IHOP. We take a few hours to have a message once in a while. We're they're not going to interrupt prayer room hours at IHOP to do that. Yeah. You got to go to their main gathering. Yeah. But yeah, we've got about 30 committed people right now. Yeah. Great. In our house of prayer. And Good. And we just, we love it. So Yeah. I think it's so powerful, man. I believe that small little groups that are praying are changing the world. I, I just, I want to encourage anyone that, that tunes in. If you are part of a small little group, whether it's an official ministry or at your church or at your house or at your school or whatever, it is so powerful. It is, it is changing the world. It is, it counts before God. He loves it. And it's changing you and it's changing the atmosphere around you. And so, so keep going for it. Well, look, this, this call to intercessory missionary, I'm people that are watching, maybe, maybe there's someone who's watching and says, well, maybe I'm called to this. How would I know? Any, any thoughts on that? How, how, how could people discern this calling if they're wondering, maybe they enjoy spending long hours in worship and prayer? What, what would you say to somebody that's, that's sort of in that discernment process? I really do think the Lord does mark us to be full-time in the house of prayer. We are, we are all called to the priesthood. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and, and we know that. So we're all called to minister to Him, and, yes. and he's, bringing, he's bringing prayer into all church communities. And we got to be a part of that, because that's what the Lord is doing right now. But even when you hear, like, that story of Anna, like, the Lord, sometimes the Lord will just, He'll stick a little needle in you saying, yeah, that there's something here for you. Yeah. There's something here for you. And He'll begin highlighting those things. Yeah. And even, even if you find yourself in a room, locking yourself in a room, and just spending time with the Lord and, and enjoying that, that's often... 
yeah. it's a good indicator saying, wow, I was made for this. I love this. Yeah. Good. So de- desire is part of it. Just the desire that God puts in you, yeah. you would say. And then when you hear some of these stories, if you hear about Anna or maybe the Levites in the tabernacle of David or something like yeah. that, and it kind of stirs something in you, then maybe God is is inviting you into that as well. I think every prophecy I had growing up was, it had the word David in yeah. it. So that that's a good indicator too. Yeah, so. I've gotten I've gotten a number of those also. My middle name is also David, so that that helps. Nice. But <laughs> well, that's that's awesome, man. Well, let's see. I also just want to say this. I to anyone else that's listening, I, I think it's really important, and you may want to comment on this, but I think it's really important that the broader body of Christ understand this calling and understand that there are going to be those who are like Anna. There's going to be those who are like you, Johan, and, and who are who are giving themselves to ministry to the Lord as their primary ministry and vocation. I just think it's really important that the broader body of Christ just say, hey, this is important. Just as there's pastors, there's youth pastors, there's people feeding the poor, there's all these different expressions and ministries and gifts, we need all of them. We value all of them. And it's good and it's right that there be some people that give themselves to prayer and ministry to God and worship full time. And uh, and so I think we, we just need to value that. We need to support people and pray for people and fund people um, and ministries mm-hmm. that are, that are, you know, going after this. Just remembering the worth of Christ. Like go. he is, he's worthy yes, of this. There you go. That's good. Like it's all about his worth. If he's worthy, then we can keep doing this because once he stops becoming worthy, then I'll stop. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like we know the Psalm twenty seven four verse, one thing I've desired the Lord and that well seek to dwell in the temple all the days of my life and to inquire, ask him questions. And the Lord highlighted in John seventeen, I think it's verse twenty six. I, this is Jesus answering David's prayer. So we can validate David's desire to be a person of one thing with Jesus answering that prayer. He says, Father, I desire that they would be with me to gaze upon my yes. beauty and see my glory. So, I just feel like this is G- Jesus saying, yeah, what what David prayed back then, that's totally valid. Right. And once you understand that, if you have that desire to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, know that Jesus also has that desire for you to gaze upon that's Him. So. Yeah. And it was actually... David's desire was actually God's desire for David <laughs> originally, yeah. you know, it's Jesus's <laughs> desire. And then that was in the heart of David that caused him to turn around and then desire the Lord back. So it's actually the zeal of God, you know, it's his passion mm. and his desire first. Um, but I love that. That's this beautiful parallel Psalm 27, four and John 17. Uh, I've seen that before. I hadn't thought about it in a while, but that's good. So awesome, man. Well, look, any, anything else you want to say um, on this topic of, of intercessory missionaries or just anything to share with, with the listeners here? I, I believe this thing is, is unto revival. Just kind of my last point is we're getting, we're getting into some darker days here, I feel like. But at the same time, the Lord's going to shine a brighter light. I had an encounter when I was 16 where I saw a stadium revival and at the center of it was worship and prayer. Wow. So I believe those of you that are in house of prayer or have zeal for revival, like get yourself in a prayer room, get before the Lord, because that's that's what's going to tip the bowls of revival. And I just feel like, you know, even if the revival is at the church down the street next door, like don't just go run over there. 
join in once in a while, but yeah. keep the fire on the altar going because that's what's going to sustain this revival. And I think that's what's bringing it in. Yeah. I don't think the Lord's calling us to leave houses of prayer to go to the biggest, newest, awesome ministry, but he's really called us to keep praying and be before him and ministering unto his heart, even in the midst of his encounter and presence, because that's what's going to sustain it. Yeah. So, we never never graduate. We're not just praying until something happens, but this is actually what we're made to do is is interact with the Lord and forever <laughs> as priest and king's not going to stop when he comes back yeah, not gonna exactly stop. that's amazing yeah. also well give us uh give us a sentence or two on the burning rooms podcast because i want people to be able to to tune into that as well and connect with you guys yeah so we started probably around the same time you started is a year ago last february yeah. so we've been going over a year now uh, or january we really just felt like you know what we have some experiences and we want to be able to encourage others that are in prayer rooms across across Canada, across the nations, because it feels a little weak. And at the same time, you know, and if no one listens to our podcast, that's fine, because we get to study the Word together and talk about these things that we yeah. love. And it'll really help strengthen our message and way to communicate it to other people. It really has done that. So, we're, we're really excited about it. We got some great feedback and a good listener base uh, so I encourage those who are interested in in prayer room things, or if you're in a prayer room, small praying community, it will really encourage oh, you. Yeah. So I think anybody that that tunes in with us would love that as well. We'll we'll make sure to to link to it in the show notes here in the description. Yeah. So, well, man, would you just say a prayer for anybody that tunes in here and close us out in prayer here? Yeah. So Jesus, we thank you that you're worthy and that you're good all the time. God, those that you've marked for this purpose, God, I ask that you would continue to reveal things to them. God, that you that you would confirm things on the outside and confirm things on the inside in your word. God, I ask that you would equip them for the for the ministry of being before you. Jesus, I just ask that you would strengthen the praying communities and those listening to this podcast, that you would give them all that's needed for this season ahead. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks so much for tuning in today. Again, if you enjoy it, please share it uh, with your friends or post on social media. That would be awesome. Please subscribe. And you can always find all the previous episodes up at our website at presencepioneers.org. Don't forget, God's presence changes everything. Bless you guys.